1: Welcome back to The Security Token Show. This is episode 150. I'm not Kyle. I'm Megan. And I'm not Hurley. I'm Jason. And today we are going to get into the problems facing institutional crypto custody.
2: But before that, let's give a nice warm thank you to our sponsor for today's show.
1: Yes, we are um, so thankful for USPC. They are a project in the tokenized real estate space. And they are really coming in with a very exciting project offering a portfolio of tokenized real estate assets. Um, They're actually funded and sponsored by a Southern California real estate development firm called Primor, which they are developing this project of fractionalized ownership and a diversified portfolio that will benefit from current income and long-term appreciation of real estate. And as you may know, or may not know, um, real estate is one of the best-performing, you know, assets historically. And mm-hmm. given any five-year period, it has outperformed every other asset class. So uh, USPC is really—it's it's exciting to see someone else entering this tokenized real estate space. We've seen a lot of projects come in, and uh, you know, the, it, it's booming right now. And it's booming. We are—we're we're of course tracking all of the current ones on STOMarket.com and. Yeah, we'll, we'll be following up with more from them as well. Absolutely. Thank you so
2: much, USPC. It's great that you guys are doing this. Obviously, creating exposure for more investors to get, uh, you know, obviously an investment opportunity into this space. So Yeah,
1: that they might have otherwise not had. Exactly. You know, the barriers to entry for real estate investing are really high. And, you know, that's one of the benefits of tokenization is you can enter at a, a lower barrier to entry.
2: Exactly. Well, thank you so much, USPC. And now we're going to dive into our top five.
1: All right, let's get into the top five. Jason's... I'll kick it off. Go for it. The SEC, ha- so my first article is the SEC has listed nine crypto tokens as securities following the Coinbase insider trading charges. And this is really interesting because as you know, we've been in the space, we're really skeptical of a lot of, of projects that are coming out, especially in the cryptocurrency space, just questioning, you know, not only crypto, but NFTs and what is deemed a security by the SEC. So. The SEC has come come out and said nine tokens were deemed securities and, you know, they're all, they're just, I won't list them, but um, they said their messaging with these charges is clear. Fraud is fraud and whether it occurs on the blockchain or Wall Street, um, you know, it's not within the SEC compliance regulations. So um, a lot of people are kind of, you know, have their feathers ruffled from this saying, well, you're not, you know, the SEC is not keeping up with others in advancing the space and creating regulation around, you know, modern day, new kind of the way we're transacting is changing and they're not keeping up with it. So there's a lot to be said about people pointing fingers and saying, you know, what's, What's going on? We don't even have answers that we want. So we'll have to see what comes out of it. We're tracking it very closely, obviously, because we are in the security space and we are really excited to see how how everything will turn
2: yeah. out. Yeah, obviously how Coinbase will uh, obviously respond to this. I know that they've done a couple tweets that if you want to go ahead and take a look on their response to these a- allegations and whatnot. But yeah. obviously the securities laws at the end of the day have been around for decades. It's, it's nothing new. I mean, granted, there have been a couple of changes over the years, but if you're going to be doing an initial coin offering, which it seems that some of these did, you know, obviously, you know, you want to be careful as to how you do it. You might want to consider tokenizing it instead of doing a security token offering where you are obviously, you know, taking care of these uh, different steps to do it compliantly. And so the SEC doesn't come and come knocking on your door.
1: Right. So we'll have to see what they uh, end up describing as digital asset securities. Right. And uh, yeah, so Coinbase awesome. is under fire and and they're, they're firing back.
2: <laughs> sure. All right. Well, let's move into number two. Number two today or this week is BNY Mellon and Goldman Sachs. They are... Doing their, well, they have settled their first HQLAX agency securities lending transactions. Now, what does this mean? Well, it's essentially a combined series of a 35 day term transaction with a total size in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And so, what this company, this fintech company called HQLAX, is what they did is created a, what they call an ISIN level securities tracker called the digital collateral records or, C or dcrs excuse me so when ISN level securities tracker essentially is it's kind of like with the equivalent for a security that we would have as a social security number essentially it's an id number that identifies the security internationally so anyone can track or any bank can track what's going on with that specific security so now they're trying to put it onto the blockchain as a test between BNY mellon and goldman sachs and essentially it's for the loan securities. Any any loan securities that BNY Mellon receives, Goldman Sachs will receive an identical copy on, their, uh, on those ex- uh, specific trades. And specifically, they actually represent the quantities in custody, which we will be talking about custody a little later. Now, this is great. Why? Because when you transfer these securities across the blockchain, now you're taking care of some intermediaries that you no longer need uh, and that are you really would in a traditional type settlement. So this is great for the space. I see, you know, we obviously have traditional banks and incumbents exploring the tokenizing and really just blockchain integration in general for their securities trades. So we're excited to see what else HQLAX does with maybe other firms, but congratulations to BNY Mellon and Goldman Sachs for making the top five this week, especially with this novel, uh, you know, DCR transaction.
1: That's awesome. Innovation that, excites, Innovation that excites, as I like to say. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll head over to number three. So the SEC is proposing changes to the definitions of dealer and government securities dealer. Uh, there's a little bit of a kind of a gray area here, especially uh, regarding the standards of those buying and selling on their own account. So they're trying to, in in general, clarify how market participants are engaging and buying and selling securities. So it's shedding a little light on the space where people have questions saying, you know, this we're seeing advancements being made and there's not a lot of updated sort of regulation and rules. So we're excited to see that. And it would affect five primary um, groups, and that is proprietary trading firms, hedge funds, investment platforms providing secondary liquidity to investors, digital asset market makers, underlying asset digitization and fractionalization programs. And we'll have to see how this plays out. But between the the five groups and and defining the the kind of gray lines between who's a dealer and who's who's a government securities dealer is... Is interesting to see, I guess, for the future of buying and selling securities. Especially if we start seeing more things being deemed securities, it's gonna we're gonna have to advance that space.
2: Absolutely, that makes total sense to be able to keep up with this. I mean, obviously, we appreciate any more clarity the SEC provides, and obviously, changing these laws right. as we start adopting different uh, technologies and of course you can bet that STM and our sister company STA will be keeping yes. track and keeping you know up to date with these different changes so we can advise our clients appropriately on how they should uh, move forward or remediate in case you have a crypto asset that is now deemed a security how do we fix that right we'll, we'll be keeping close to yeah. that our article
1: it's a, it's a hot space right now so
2: absolutely well moving on to number four we have Brazil. Brazil's Itaú Unibanco launches the digital assets platform. It's called Itaú Digital Assets. And so they not only did that, but they also purchased a portion of Avenue Securities. So their goal with Itaú Digital Assets is to tokenize, issue and trade securities and also provide custodial services uh, using their private blockchain called Hyperledger. And they've also acquired a significant stake in Avenue Securities, which... Uh, essentially is in charge of giving North American securities access to Brazilian investors. Uh, you know, it starts out with 35% purchase with, another two years from now being able to buy another 15.1% putting them at a majority hold this gives them control over the brokerage which is obviously very important to ito as they have now a digital assets platform now a brokerage connected to that that's I think humongous especially now that they're trying to tokenize these assets for Brazilian investors and not to mention they also have the option to purchase more even the whole rest of the 100% of Avenue Securities in the future so Mm -hmm. we'll have to see what that looks like but very excited to see more going on in Security space, especially with tokenizing around the world, not just yeah. in the U.S., but
1: also globally.
2: It's a global market.
1: That's awesome. Okay, I'll wrap this up with number five. Um, Meta Hollywood has tapped Soma Finance to tokenize the film industry, and I'm not sure you probably have heard previously. We've covered a little bit about Soma Finance. They're a decentralized exchange for trading securities and compliant tokenized securities. So they are kind of tapping into a totally new industry, which is the film industry, showing just how versatile security tokens are and they can really apply to whatever business model you may have, but Soma Finance um, and Meta Hollywood are going to, quote, tokenize the film industry, kind of changing the way that people are doing business and funding projects and involving you know fans and getting others just excited about being more engaged in the process of not only filmmaking, From a financial standpoint, but the tokenization and development of a virtual community just beyond, you know, watching your favorite films and and things like that, you can now potentially benefit off the the profits that are created from these films and um, participate closely as well for movie lovers, studios, creators, uh, all of the people And uh, it's really exciting to see the movie industry step into the blockchain space. Not only that, but the tokenization space. Absolutely. So, yes, Soma Finance is leading this. And, um, yeah. So, obviously, check that out for more More information. That might be kind of a nice way for somebody who is not super well-versed in the finance side of things, but might be more interested in the movie side of things, fun, that kind of, uh, that space,
2: so. Great, I think it's great exposure, great use case for tokenization as always. Yes. Obviously, you can tokenize pretty much anything, so this is freaking awesome. (laughs) I like. Literally. All right, well, now I guess we'll be moving into the industry news.
3: Hey, what's up, guys? Happy Monday, it's Anna with your industry news. One hot topic we have today is how Devin Finzer, the founder and CEO of OpenSea, has let go of approximately 50 employees. In a tweet, Finzer said the ongoing crypto winter is to blame. He said the broad macroeconomic instability also played a part in it and the company needs to be prepared for a prolonged downturn. The decision they made to reduce the size of their team by 20% puts them in a position with a strong balance sheet to weather the phenomenon. The company has up to five years of runway as of now under different crypto circumstances. It is also providing its employee healthcare coverage up into 2023, and employees are being given an accelerated equity vesting. They are also being helped with new job placements. Next up, we have Consensus. They made headlines this week after it decided to enable security audits for the highest bidder. The upcoming launch of their TURN token will create a new open market for buyers and sellers of security auditing. Churn is the first NFT for tokenizing services, according to the company. Each token is ERC-721 compatible and represents 40 hours of auditing time to its holder. The token will be able to be bought and sold on the secondary market, and that allows new users to dictate the value of these services when they need to. Another security token that's about to hit the town is Paul. This would be a blockchain-based SaaS platform serving the Chinese freight market. The digital security offering will commence this week with the token and follow with its trading on the INX Marketplace, which is a regulated alternative trading system, or ATS. The security will be available to international and U.S.-accredited investors. Wendell Song, the owner of ChalkPow, sees this as a pioneering step since the token can be widely used in different transactions within the trucking ecosystem. He said they are seeking to motivate and sustain a loyal and thriving community and promote ecosystem sustainability. For our last industry update, we have Bittrex Global adding new tokens to their system. The Tesla's Bitcoin was listed this week and is currently available for trading. Tesla's Bitcoin can be used in smart contracts and is part of the Liquidity Baking CPMN. Other Tesla's tokens like Sirius, Caliber, and Hughes will be listed in the following weeks. Oliver Link, the CEO of Bittrex Global, said these token listings give Bittrex the global community the opportunity to take advantage of Tesla's low gas fees. He says it allows others to participate in Tesla's liquidity, baking or DeFi, which helps further the growth of the Tesla's blockchain. Those are the, all the updates I have for you guys today. I'll see you on next week with more. Let's pass it on to Thor with STO updates.
0: Hey everyone, this is Thor filling in for Megan with the latest and greatest in security token offerings. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Starting us off is Human Unitech International announcing its launch of Blockchain Property Enterprises, their new tokenization of luxury real estate properties, services, and amenities. Interested customers will be able to either rent or buy these real estate tokens, securing partial ownership as well as the rights to exclusive rates, services, amenities, and perks, all via Web3. Their CEO Kurt Gansel says that investors even have the opportunity to visit and explore these properties virtually in a customizable and fully immersive environment. The first available offerings are luxury properties located in the beautiful sceneries of Sardinia in Italy and Lake Champlain in New York. The launch is slated for July 25th, so make sure to keep an eye out. Next up, let's move over to Agrotoken's recent partnership with Pomelo, an Algorand, to facilitate the launch of a card specifically for the agricultural industry. To introduce a little bit of what AgroToken does, they've created three tokens, collateralized by grains, representing soy, corn, and wheat, respectively. The tokens use proof-of-grain reserves, a fully decentralized and transparent system of auditing and validating each ton of grain. In recent news, just a month ago, AgroToken announced that they were working with Visa, to develop a method of payment allowing producers to pay using their grain. Now, AgroToken intends to collaborate with Pomelo to process and distribute payments and utilize the Algorand blockchain in scaling and expediting these operations. You can learn more about AgroToken at their site, agrotoken.io. Lastly, we have news of L Bank Exchange recently listing commodity asset backed token for trading. The issuer of QAA. Tandem Liber Holdings Limited is a prospecting and mining company based in Sierra Leone. Currently holding the rights to four exploration licenses and one mining license, they intend to circumvent the destructive consequences typically seen in mining by monetizing the in-ground value of resources such as gold and coltan, all in the form of their commodity asset-backed token. You can check out more info at their site commodity.io. That's commodity with a Q. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's been a blast hosting STO news and updates for the first time. Now I'm gonna kick it over to the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Sam Sachs.
4: Heck of a job by Thor. Hello and happy Monday! Every so often it's important to take a look at the security token market from a broader view. Look at where we were, where we are, and where we're headed. It wasn't too long ago that the total security token trading market cap was below the $1 billion mark. Traction was minimal in the press, and people were wondering, if or when any mainstream coverage would arrive. Things have changed dramatically since just over a year ago, as security tokens boast a market cap of over $18 billion today, and we're in the midst of a bear market. Led by a Negra Group, Dignity Gold, Millennium Sapphire, T0, and INX, the industry is building some really solid players in the field that will not be going anywhere for a long time coming. And hidden deep in the shadows are some very underpriced coins to its competitors, such as Exodus, which is trading only an $18.5 million market cap. With revenue over close to $100 million annually, it's seemingly a matter of time before investors take a deep dive into the cryptocurrency wallet. Where are we headed in the future? The resilience of these tokens has been profound. Holding key support levels and even making higher highs has been a very strong sign. It will be important to monitor volume over the next 12 to 18 months and figure out if automatic market makers or other solutions can aid in the lack of liquidity currently seen in the market. These are things that get worked out in time and we're optimistic. Without a doubt, security tokens have proven that they are here to stay. That's all for now, but have an amazing rest of your week and I'll see you next Monday.
5: Wakey wakey, welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Ebenko. CBS's Ghost is entering the metaverse. The hit CBS comedy has launched an immersive experience in Decentraland, allowing fans to experience the show and its Haunted Mansion in a unique way. The ghost experience will be accessible on the site ghostmetaverse.com through September. Next, Steve Aoki to enter the sandbox as a playable avatar. The sandbox has published a blog post to break the news that Steve Aoki is to enter the sandbox in 333,000 digital avatars. Each avatar will be playable in the metaverse with its holders getting access to a unique set of functionalities and the opportunity to earn Sam by playing the game. Moving forward, ex-MLB shortstop Mika Johnson, now a computer artist, created a picture of a virtual doorway with his character Aku, whom Johnson deems is the world's first digital explorer. Now on the cover of Time magazine, highlighting the hashtag metaverse. Johnson became the first NFT artist to obtain a big TV and film development agreement as a result of the success of his digital character, which produced more than $20 million in sales last year alone. Next, a UAE hospital is going to take its operations to the metaverse. The services will include our teleconsultation, multiple doctors consulting in a case in a virtual clinic opinions from various doctors, and avatars in the local language dressed to greet patients at the medical tourism department. Moreover, they will provide a first aid health program using AR, VR, and AI programs. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Cole. And now we're back. Let's do our Companies of the Week. Megan, why don't you start us off? Who's your Company
2: of the Week?
1: I am so excited. (laughs) This is A16Z or Andreessen Horowitz. They have recently announced that they are moving to the cloud, but the cloud encompasses a little bit more than just uh, remote or, you know, decentralized work for lack of a better term. They are opening an office in Miami Beach and uh, they are most literally taking their talents to South Beach. Um, Their office is right on Lincoln Road. Uh, as opposed to many people who say they're moving to South Beach and then they end up in Brickle or downtown Miami. They are literally going to South Beach, and they are developing this office to kind of combat their new style of work, supporting their uh, teams and partners. As many people have dispersed during COVID, they're opening three new offices, um, Santa Monica, New York, and Miami Beach. So this is really exciting for the Miami community. I think it just shows that not only is tech booming here, VCs are obviously coming here. We've got Citadel, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, Microsoft. The, the list is extensive. It's gone, yeah. um, they're they're bringing physical offices back. They're bringing you know virtual work as well. So um, I, I don't think Miami's slowing down at yeah, all
2: not at all no we're excited for that i'm definitely going to go to the beach a lot more often <laughs> yeah. now that they're there
1: i know it's going to be amazing so uh yeah, we'll have to see the new the, the new wave of talent that comes through i'm sure it'll be incredible obviously we're here to network keep an eye out for our upcoming uh miami tech events that Absolutely. we'll be developing and we're excited to have some new faces around
2: fantastic that's a great company of the week i completely agree yeah Awesome. Well, my company of the week this uh, well this week this episode one hundred and fifty here is BNY Mellon. You might recognize them from our earlier segment. We did cover them in the top five. but I just want to reiterate that you know I'm very excited to see when it comes when traditional uh, you know banking and finance comes into the blockchain space. And so I give it to BNY Mellon because they are started integrating the HQLAX with Goldman Sachs, especially specifically with their lending securities. And whatnot. So that's fantastic because now with their DCRs, which essentially is the social security number for security, they're able to do it on the blockchain, get rid of intermediaries, make it a little faster, cheaper and whatnot. And obviously, you know, with Goldman Sachs also being a big name in the space, this partnership, I think, is fantastic. And hopefully it'll drive more innovation within the other banks for collaboration, uh, whether it's with HQLA or others. Um, as we've seen in the past, such as Banco America with Paxos, JP Morgan has JPM Coin, and now we have BNY Mellon and Goldman Sachs experimenting as well. So we're excited for that. Congratulations, BNY Mellon, for being my company of the week. Uh, keep on going. Amazing. Right?
1: Yeah. No, I think they're doing some really innovative things in the space. So that's fantastic. Um, should we get into the main topic?
2: I think we should. Let's do it.
1: So to recap, we are going to be discussing problems facing institutional crypto custody, and this is this is a hot topic right now. Um, so we just kind of want to cover the general overview. So just to kick us off, let's. So what is a custodian? A custodian is a specialized financial institution that holds customer security for safekeeping and you know just to uh, to uh, kind of remove risk with holding securities and you know misuse, theft, and loss is really remediated when. Um, you have these special institutions. So, um, and they have three primary responsibilities, like I said, safekeeping, trade processing, and asset servicing. Um, These are three things that they essentially need to do and maintain to transact in the security space. And it's kind of why customers go to them to say, hey, can you do this within regulation safely? And I mean, if somebody's giving you their money and they want they want securities to be held, you yeah. you know you need to have, follow the proper regulations. We're seeing a lot of people are not. That's yeah. where Jason's going to kind of <laughs> show show a little bit about um, that. So
2: sure thing. Yeah, no, concerns are very important, obviously, you know, especially when you have funds, uh, managers managing other people's money, you obviously have to be, it's a fiduciary duty, really, it's really being able to maintain that safety for those securities and assets for that client. But moving into specifically crypto. So who can custody crypto? You know, obviously it's a little different because of SEC regulation and whatnot. So this is where we start defining between custodians that are regular and then you have your qualified custodians. You know, when you typically invest into Bitcoin or Ethereum uh, through, say, let's say Robinhood or Coinbase, maybe their brokerage takes care of uh, the custody for you, or you can self-custody and hold it in your own wallet. That's awesome. But when you're doing with institutional crypto custody, it's a little different, right? These are larger sums of money, which means bigger risk. Um, Obviously, you have different people's money all combined into one or these different crypto assets. So that's where we got started going to qualified custodians. And so let's start with different sections. Let's start with banks. The big names JP Morgan, Bank of America, US Bank, Wells Fargo. These are the big banks that are obviously at the top of the level FDIC insured. And so obviously, they're able to custody pretty much anything. In this case, they were approved to uh, custody any crypto assets really starting last year. So we've been seeing that happening uh, more and more. But if there were other use cases or you needed someone else to be able to custody these crypto assets, who else was eligible? Well, maybe a registered broker dealer that's associated with a member firm, National Securities Exchange. And if you aren't, you also have special purpose broker dealers, but only if they're only holding digital assets. That means they cannot hold analog securities, only crypto. So you can only hold Ethereum, Bitcoin, custody that and that only. It's a great way to mitigate risk for these special purpose broker dealers that aren't necessarily at the top. Uh, as far as you know function and whatnot, but they are pretty close and whatnot. Maybe the SEC feels comfortable uh, with them custodying this um this crypto asset. And they also have to be able to transfer that asset through the blockchain again, because it's all digital assets. It shouldn't impact any analog securities if they were to fail. Now moving on, maybe you want to talk uh, Megan a little bit more about special purpose depository institutions?
1: yeah, so these are these are more unique. yeah, and they're much they're fewer, or far between but they essentially are not FDIC insured. Um, They're limited within state borders. So we see a lot that are out of Wyoming. Um, They're very supportive of this industry and they need to be fully reserved. So there's no lending or use assets. So then we also have nationally chartered banks. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's only three nationally chartered trust banks and all of theirs need to be full banks. We have Anchorage Digital, We have uh, Paxos and Protego, so those are kind of where we see crypto being custodied by institutions, but it gets trickier.
2: It does get a little trickier. Now, the fact that they are nationally chartered, and remember, there's only three ever being given out for trust banks. Um, does put them at the same level basically as the Bank of America's and JP Morgan's of the world. So they do have some flexibility uh, and they're crypto native, right? So they're only do- doing this type of asset and they're fully SEC that uh, they're blessed, they're good, they're good to go. Uh, so these may or may not uh, affect them as much as it does for others uh, that we mentioned before. But especially with Anchorage, we've seen their partnership right. with Oasis Pro Markets, who's a very well known player in the tokenization space. So we're excited to see where that leads. But moving on to what you said so. about.
1: You know, why are we bringing this we up, up, right up right now? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so uh, with institutional crypto custody, it's extremely relevant because the SEC has published a bulletin in, I believe, April, mm-hmm. and it just impacted the future requirements for reporting holding crypto. And banks are a little bit confused how to proceed in general. And I think this goes back to our point, you know, there is a lot of regulation coming to market, but it's... It's not necessarily keeping up with how fast the industry is moving in general, right. and there are still questions to be answered. A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, this, what do we deem this? And then they are having to backtrack when the SEC says this is not compliant, etc. So what, what, what do banks need to do?
2: Well, <laughs> the first thing is they have to, so considering that a bank is essentially taking control over Obviously, the custodial services, that means the crypto asset itself, let's say it's Bitcoin in this case, right? Well, they're also taking control over the private key. Remember, not your key is not your asset, right? So if they're safeguarding the key on behalf of their clients, well, that's a liability. So they have to book that into their books, into the balance sheet as a liability. And they're essentially, okay, this is not as confusing. The SEC made this pretty clear, actually. Okay, account for the obligation on your liabilities. Um, in the fair market value of the crypto assets, both when you recognize the liability and in future reporting at that fair market value at that uh, period of time. But where it gets tricky is the assets part. You know, when you have a balance sheet, you put something in your liability, it's really offset it with an asset. What is that asset? Well, the SEC that you have to put an asset there, but it cannot be the same as the same crypto asset. So if you have Bitcoin in your liability, you cannot put Bitcoin in your asset. It has to be something different, something that they call indemnification. Um, and but it has to be measured in the same basis as the crypto or in this case Bitcoin that you put in your liabilities, right? So how do you do that? And that's something that the banks right now are struggling to figure out. Is how do you do it? What do we even put in there? Right. They don't know how to proceed. So that's going to be an issue.
1: Yeah. So I I I was joking. I said that whoever's uh, CPA at these banks is going to be.
3: Uh, struggling because
1: it's it's definitely an emerging industry that where a lot of people just have it's a lot of speculation you know Mm -hmm. what what are they going to do and when is the SEC going to say give it you know black and white it shouldn't be a gray area it should not no it should be very straightforward I feel like that's the beauty of of you know reporting these things but
2: absolutely and I think the other part of that bill or bulletin that was posted was that also affects these banks is that it's applicable not just to the custodial bank, but all, also any entities acting on behalf of them. We've seen like U.S. Bank, for example, uses NIDIC. We all know this um, as a subcustodian for the digital assets, right? So while U.S. Bank takes care of traditional securities and, and custody services, NIDIC is their partner in doing um, you know, the Bitcoin, the Ethereum, and so forth. But again, because this bill applies to NIDIG as well, again, no workaround. So how do we take care of this? There's no... It's, it's, a, it's a problem that everyone's having right now. So we're that's something that we've seen as relevant in conversations that we've had with different players. And so, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll have to see what the SEC comes out with. I know that there's letters being drafted on behalf of some there's of these no
1: current There's no current answer or workaround.
2: There isn't. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out, you know, keep you guys informed on any other SEC comments on this. But
1: That is exactly why we're bringing it up right now. So. <laughs> exactly.
2: But if you guys have any opinions, please drop them in the comments. We would love to talk through them. Um, And who knows, maybe we do a Twitter Spaces or something with some of the people on our team to be able to, you know, hash this out, maybe get some ideas going.
1: Peter Gaffney would be an amazing resource. Oh,
2: absolutely. Our head of research.
1: Yes. Um, So that is all we have for you guys today. Obviously, we'll bring more updates to this as they come or when they come, that is. um,
2: (laughs) 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 Hopefully when, not if.
1: Hopefully when. Um, But other than that, we're going to hand it off. Next week, we won't be here, so we'll give it back to Herwig and Kyle. But that is all we have for today. That is all. As usual, you can find us on social media. Below are our tags. And um, I'm Megan Nivold.
2: I'm Jason Barraza.
1: You can catch us on chain.
2: Always on chain. (laughs) (laughs) Catch you later.
5: Yeah.